Good morning, everyone. This is Chris Marquardt. We are back with another episode of Curiously Polar. And with me is Henry. Good morning. A wonderful Tuesday morning. How are you doing? It's early. It's early. I mean, for... <laughs> It's early, indeed. It's early. And we're in, in two different time zones, so that makes things even more exciting. But hey, uh, did you have your first cup of tea, coffee? I have actually my second uh, cup of tea. Um, I'm getting into the English tea. It's um, disgusting. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't, Please send your mails to Henry. Uh, contact information is on curiouslypolar.com. Um, all right. Uh, we have... Um, emergency not not we but the planet and i think we made this clear here uh, several times that things are not going as they used to and things are changing and one thing that has recently made the news is uh and this is a few weeks ago but i think this is probably still ongoing at this point um and uh, the thing is the the arctic is on fire as you read in the title of this episode, um, wildfires in the Arctic. Now, my understanding, my expectation is that, oh, up there it's cold and fire doesn't flourish there. But what's going on? Well, that's uh, the understanding which leads from from your position that the Arctic is covered in ice. But um, the definition of Arctic, as we talked about in, in earlier episodes, is quite vague. We have a lot of different um, definitions of Arctic. And in fact, if you see um, the southern extents of the Arctic in in uh, Alaska, in Canada, in, in Russia, in Scandinavia, you will see a lot of tundra, a lot of taiga. And uh, there you have, of course... Um, uh, higher temperatures than further north. Um, so there you have also more plants, more trees, more marshlands, uh, turflands, peatlands, and um, they are like breeding grounds for fires. And uh, having fires in the Arctic uh, region is not so uncommon. It's actually part of the ecosystem. So every now and then, um, they get a fire lighted by natural reasons. And um, it provides ground for for certain ecosystems um, in the area. So, so fires are fires uh, do not only destroy; they also have a a, a cleansing effect. So uh, they they make space for new growth. They exactly. It's they, like with all natural they, they, things, they fertilize they, the ground even with the ashes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's with all natural things. It's not only bad or good. It's both at the same time. Um, they can provide both at a certain um, at a certain range. And we are actually experiencing right now um, that we actually went over that tip. So we are not having uh, the good effect anymore. It's uh, going wild and it's going really big up there. Um, I mean, the, 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 the one thing that I will uh, put in the show notes is a link to a CNN article, which is now a couple of weeks old. But... Um, they claim there are like more than a hundred intense wildfires that have been uh, going on in the Arctic since June. So, um, scientists apparently say this is unprecedented. It hasn't happened this bad in the past. This is actually a word that you can find everywhere in the um, Arctic area, uh, everywhere in the in the in the news um, about those fires in the um, uh, the fires in the Arctic. Is this word unprecedented? 
you find it everywhere. This is really just like all the scientists working on that, all the, the, the fire experts, all of them say, we have never had something like this before in that size and that um, spreading. And that's something that should scare us. Now, the, the, I mean, one thing we have to make clear is um, that the temperature, um, especially when it comes to the cause of fires, the temperature is different from humidity, right? Uh, cold temperatures do not prevent things from being dry. And when it's dry, that's when the wildfires happen. When it's uh, very humid, they don't. So, um, Indeed, I think but it's also correlated to the temperature because what we experienced uh, this year is a record high in, uh, in temperatures in June. We are facing a record high of all times ever since we record um, weather data in men uh, mankind uh, history. We expect uh, we experience another high in temperatures um, in July, and I'm pretty sure uh, when this episode will be broadcasted in August, we also have another high on a record high on temperatures in august so we are facing the hottest year since the start of recording of weather data in human history and uh, that of course is one of the reasons why we have so many fires up there because what we have up in the arctic especially where in these areas where the fires occur is very dry um peatlands which is like it's a fire accelerator we are talking about turf and uh, usually those turflins are just washed over with water with um they, they are caught um caught in permafrost but as soon as that starts um drying out or melting down and drying out then you have the perfect accelerator for fires and that's exactly what happens now so those fires they will just burn for months because the fuel is just there in that um, ground, in that soil, uh, contained are um, carbon dioxide, uh, methane. There are just greenhouse gases over trapped into over centuries, hundreds, so, thousands of years, and they get just released by those fires. So we are spreading so much of carbon dioxide into the um, into the atmosphere just by those fires right now that we actually can compare that to the um, annual outcome of carbon dioxide of, of an entire country like Sweden. But do you mean what's coming out of the ground, what's going in the atmosphere right now in terms of CO2, is the same as uh, Sweden ex um, releases in, a, in an entire year? Wow. Yeah, and that is only that only counts for the uh, carbon dioxide of June, for the amount of June. The only in, in the months of June... Um, this amount of carbon dioxide gets released. And this is still ongoing. We are now at uh, the end of July, actually. It's, um, so we, we have more recent figures right now. We are talking about 100 megatons of, um, of carbon dioxide released into the atmosphere. This is huge. Mm. I don't like just that. between first <laughs> of June and the twenty second, twenty uh, first of July. So it's one and a half month. Okay, so those fires are are raging up there. There's nothing we can do about them other than letting them burn. They're, they're too well, they're, big to 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 extinguish, or aren't or are they? 
it's it's a that's a big question. I mean, um, when you read the news, um, then you have different focuses depending on where your news outlet comes from. When we um, read news about Alaska, and we we can just see that wow, they are talking about what big wildfires. Um, it's about. 80 hectares, 100 hectares, uh, 200 hectares. That's that's pretty bad. It's a lot of area. And the people in Alaska, the, the officials in Alaska, they actually say um, we can't fight all the fires because they're so remote in so remote areas that we can't get there with um, uh, a yeah, without spending too much money in there. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is is that worth the effort um, over just letting it burn down? Then you go um, look into um, Northern Europe, Sweden, Norway, Finland. They are talking about similar um, sizes in, 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 um, in total, which is just like single fires in Alaska, just to say so. When, you, when we look on the, on the map for wildfires in Alaska, we have hundreds of fires all over um all over the, the the country it's just huge what what we can see in alaska but when we hop on further to russia this is actually what um, blows my mind we are talking about 2.7 million hectares of remote forest which is currently burning this is 2.7 million hectares that's the size of belgium why is this, this not is bigger in- on the news because it's Russia. It's Far East Russia. It's in Siberia. It's the Far East regions. It's where almost no one is living. It's a very tiny, it's a huge place, but very tiny population. It's um, in, in, in Russian media, when you uh, get a little bit into that, then you have towns like Krasnoyarsk, Irkutsk, um, which are actually uh, affected just by the by the by the plume of it, just like the smoke which got uh, traveled so far. You have um, Greenpeace Russia; um, they are estimating the wildfires covering more than three million hectares, which is just in- insane. More than eleven million hectares have been affected by wildfires in in uh, far north Russia this season. So we are talking about a huge, huge area up there in Russia. And this is what I mean when I when I talk about um, uh, different angles, different um, vantage points on on, on news outlets. Uh, the Western news outlets, of course, they say uh, there are wildfires burning in the Arctic uh, from Alaska over Greenland, uh, Sweden to Russia. But the the focus is on the Western countries, and the fires in the Western countries are uh, are big. But when we talk about those big fires in Alaska, then Russia is just insanely huge because it's multiple times the size of what we're facing in Alaska. Uh, it's so big that over 400,000 people have already signed a Greenpeace uh, petition online to uh, demand the authorities to declare the state of emergency because the smoke is just going into the cities. Now, Okay, um, I'm, I'm just trying to be careful f- uh, from being too alarmist here. Do we have any information how this compares to the, let's say, the normal status around this time of year? Um, it's 
it's much worse. It's much bigger. Um, mm. That's usually not the time, uh, the, the, the high season of um, fires in the Arctic. It usually starts a little later because um, we experienced a rather hot summer. Um, we started very early. And um, I, I don't really have a comparison in size, actually. But um, since you hear from every scientist asked about that uh, fire season, this one single word, unprecedented, I think that's a rather big thing compared to what's the norm. What are the consequences? Where Where is this going to lead us, that amount of... Uh CO2 being released within one month that usually a country like Sweden would release an entire year. Well, and that's actually um, the the biggest thing. We are actually facing a huge um, big thing here because um, the fires, they are burning uh, through peatlands and those peatlands, they are filled with carbon-rich organic matter. So mm -hmm. those organic grounds, they are um, encapsulating the, the, the carbon. And, and, and when, peat, peatlands, that, that is what, if you, if you let them sit for a few million years, they, that's what will turn into coal over time. Exactly, exactly. The, they are usually waterlocked. That, use, uh, that usually works as a natural fire protection. The warmer climate, that dries them out so they can ignite and burn, and they burn for months or even decades. And it's nothing that would stop um, immediately. They not really produce massive flames in terms of um, how much fuel they eat up. This is really a big thing because those fires, it's the, the peatland fires are the biggest fires we know of. Um when we talk about wildfires we know of everywhere in the world yes okay they they use old carbon so in a few weeks um a fire a peatland fire can burn through a hundred of years worth of, uh, of of carbon encapsulating this is the thing when we when we uh, get those released we those the release of those uh, greenhouse gas will lead to warming to more warming of the atmosphere. More warming will increase the likelihood of those peat soils being drier earlier in the summer. And of course, by that, they are more likely to burn. That's just a vicious circus, which is called in scientific world, a classic positive feedback loop. So we are actually releasing more um, greenhouse gases in the atmosphere by those fires. Those greenhouse gases heat up the atmosphere even more and by that we have more um, ground provided for more wildfires releasing more greenhouse gases that's a pretty depressing prospect do we do we know what um, what percentage of the entirety of that of those peatlands um, are burning right now or are we talking a tiny percentage are we talking half of them do we have that information Uh, no, um, I don't really have that information. Not, not, not that it would make any anything feel better, but <sighs> I'm trying to find a way to end this on a positive note. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure we have one here. The positive note is that more news outlets are picking up on that. Um, it started a month ago, over a month ago, in Russian news. Um, we have 
small outlets in in Sweden that picked up um, on local fires and um, took them in comparison to the um, to the Russian fires. Then we have local outlets in Alaska that picked up uh, the fires there. Um, now it's time to put the whole picture together and um, make it yeah experienceable for for everybody who is reading those news. Um, I mean, it, it certainly serves uh, it serves as a as a way to drive home the climate change debate and uh, yeah and, and and put that in in its perspective. So. Um, and we're talking about here now too. So this is uh, definitely something that needs more visibility. So I, I see our function here with this podcast to help spread the word, to make people more aware of what's happening. Definitely. And when you look at the weather maps um, with the um, smoke clouds, with the, uh, with the plume of, um, of those fires, then you see that a lot of um, those plumes from, from Russia, they're just staying within Russia. They're just going to the bigger cities in the area. In uh, Canada, a, a rather small fire is actually creating quite a big plume, which by the weather, it's just um, directed straight to the North Pole. So we have actually a plume from northern Canada straight to the North Pole. Oh, Just, oh, I, and and I and I think I have an idea what that could mean because when it all goes up there, it will be the smoke and the suit covering the snow, making it darker. Then you have exactly. a different, different albedo. You have a different amount of um, heat being be melting the ice again, and so on. So this is this is not a nice loop going on no. there. Yeah, this is definitely um, a, a different different picture this year from from uh, yeah. So years. what what is the thing that can stop these fires? We are not the thing because the fires are too big. So um, we we have the to weather. Wait, we have to wait for the weather to take the care weather. Of it. Yes, um, basically, what officials are doing right now, um, Alaska has called for for help. So a hundred volunteers from all over the over the United States are just um, they just arrived a few days ago in uh, Fairbanks start putting out some fires um, closer to, to um, human habitation. But um, most officials all over the Arctic Circle are just waiting um, for the weather to cool down, for um, some rain, for some snow to put the fires out. And that's pre pretty much what will happen because when you see the area and when you see um, the places where the fires are, they are actually very remote. So going there is a huge effort. It takes a lot of money, a lot of uh, technolo uh, technology to to go there to put them out. And um, same goes goes for Russia. Russian authorities, they don't even think right now about doing anything. They just say, we just let let it burn down. It's causing no harm. It actually causes a lot of harm because in Russia you even have um, big trees, like very old trees, pine trees, and and that's uh, just it's destroying a huge area, a huge part of the Russian taiga and tundra. And the so, remote, um, the remoteness is a problem in in not just the way that we can't really easily get there, but also that that means it's not on the mind of people. It doesn't doesn't touch people directly and i think that's one of the big problems as soon as these fires get closer to uh to cities then of course everyone will uh will see what's happening or smell what's happening but um when they are so far out uh, it's kind of easy to not think about these so um 
I think, yeah, people need to talk about this more. What I actually um, put out of this, the positive effect of this, is that we have another example that everything con uh, concerning the climate and the weather is connected globally. It, is, it does not stay locally. The fire in, fires in Alaska, the fires in Greenland, the fires in Canada, in Sweden, in Russia, they don't stay there. The fires are staying there, but the effects are not. So we actually have those um, proofs that, that we, we basically can see, we can feel it, we can smell it, that those effects are just driving all around the globe. The Arctic is heating up um, two times at least faster than the entire globe. We're talking about, um, depending on the source, two to four times faster. And we still have people who don't believe in that. Um, when you see those fires and you see the effects of fires, you see where the smoke is going and you see the effects of the smoke. Those fires are quite in some uh, distance of those Russian big cities. But you still see that those cities are entirely covered in smoke. It looks like in Iceland when a volcano erupts and the and the gas emissions are just spreading all over the country. It looks pretty much the same. You you feel the effects far far away from the uh, incident site, and something like this actually that's my positive outcome really opens eyes to more people. Okay, so let this be a warning. Um... Climate change is real, and we're seeing the effects right here. I think that's my personal takeaway. All right. Um, yeah. yeah hmm, hmm. I, I hate <laughs> I hate leaving people <laughs> on, on sort of depressing stuff, but I think that's the only thing we can do at this point. Uh, wait what happens, see what happens, make sure um, people know about it, and raise the awareness of what's going on. Okay. Darkness on Fire, episode 64. We'll be back with something completely different next week where we will go underwater. Until then, everyone, take care and bye-bye.